So if you haven't been here, I just want to kind of cover the first two weeks, uh, the big points that we talked about. So one thing we do a little bit different, we're trying a little bit different, is we are, we're doing two small sermons instead of one big sermon um, in each week. And so uh, hopefully that helps, helps us remember things and, and keep our attention and all that stuff. So the first two, first two talks of the first week had this as the point, uh, that God's church is indestructible when it's built on the cornerstone of belief in Jesus and his teaching. And if you read throughout the rest of the New Testament, you'll hear Paul actually talk about uh, the church being built on that cornerstone and the apostles kind of laying that foundation. The other thing we talked about is when we have the right power source and are united by the Spirit, we will produce fruit. We'll produce the fruit of the Spirit and other fruit when we are united and, and empowered by the Spirit. The second week, Last week, we talked about this. Um, a radical mission requires a radical lifestyle, and we talked about how the early church lived in a radical way so that they could see the mission that they had been given go as far as they possibly could take it. And then we, we kind of talked about church history, and we went through a lot of history, covered it really briefly, summarized a lot of it, and then we ended up here. To be effective again as a church, the church must be more like an ecclesia and less like a kirsch, more like a movement and less like an institution, and we spent some time talking about movements and institutions. Well, this morning we're going to talk about unity and spiritual gifts and love and kind of, kind of bring all of those together this morning, um, but it's very uh, fortunate for us here, and I hope you don't take this for granted. Um, I was just reminded of this very, very recently, um, and actually several times over the last couple of weeks I've been reminded of this, that we don't have the struggles for unity here that a lot of churches have. And we don't have we don't have a lot of infighting. We don't have a lot of a lot of people, you know, you know, grabbing for power or pushing an agenda or pushing for preferences about ministries or worship styles or any of those things. We we have unity and it's a blessing. And I, I really don't want us to ever take that for granted because I've been where it's not. And it is not a fun place to be. So, um, so I hope we enjoy that. But, but there's still a lot of potential for us to lose that unity. And we're going to talk about this morning how unity was a big focus of Paul's writings for the early church. And, and we need to be unified as the body of Christ. And so if we cannot be unified, if we cannot be fighting forward together on the same mission, then how can we expect to have an influence and an impact on an unbelieving world? A couple of verses I want to I want to read through this morning, and uh, and then we'll get into it. First is Ephesians two eight through ten. I'll, this one will be up on the screen. The next one will be on the screen, but we'll spend most of our time in First Corinthians chapter twelve. So if you want to turn there, go over there on your phone, and uh, pull up First Corinthians chapter twelve. I'd encourage you to do that while you're on your phone. We'd love it if you check in on Facebook. We were at one thousand six hundred and sixty six check ins this week, and finally somebody throughout the week. Just got it up to six, six, seven, so could finally relax a little bit about. I wasn't really that worried. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. It's by, by, by grace we've been saved through faith. We didn't do it on ourselves. It's not by the works we do, because if we could do it, then we could boast about it. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're God's handiwork. We've, we spent a lot of time in the first module talking about how God created us. He created us in his image, and so we are his handiwork. We're designed 
by God to do things. And, and it should be encouraging. It should give you purpose and passion to know that, that before, before any of us existed, God had a, had a purpose that he created you for. Created on purpose for a purpose. We've talked about. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Now, I want to stop there, um, and I want you to, to look for this phrase or this, this idea throughout these, this section of verses. Look for same Spirit, same God, same Christ, one Spirit, those, those phrases. See how many times that comes up as we talk about the gifts. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. I just got a message from my wife. She's homesick with Hannah's sick, so she sent me a text. She said, love you. Aww. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. Same spirit, same Lord, same God, common good, through the spirit, according to the same spirit, by the one spirit, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit, for in one spirit we were all baptized, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Why do you think when we're talking about spiritual gifts, when, when Paul is talking to the church at Corinth about spiritual gifts, he, he put in so many times that phrase, the same spirit, the one spirit, the one God, through the spirit. I think probably, at least in my mind, that, that this is one of the biggest potential causes for discord and disunity within the church because we, for some reason, have this idea that, that for us to feel important, we have to have some of the gifts that seem a little more flashy and sparkly and shiny. And that if we don't have those gifts, if we're not, you know, if we're not you know, doing the things like you know, one of the gifts I have um, is teaching. And, and you know, if, if you don't get the chance to teach like I teach, well, then you feel like for some reason you're not as, as spiritual as me. Or, or if, and it's just an idea that I really want to throw a grenade at and blow up. And we're going to talk about that a lot this morning. See, we, the greatest initiator of unity is when we all do our part using the gifts we've been given. The greatest initiator, the greatest starting point of unity is when we all use the gifts that we've been given and we all play the part that we're supposed to play. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Think about the potentials for disunity that come up 
when we're not doing that. Think about the fact that, you know, you know if, you are, if you're working hard towards a cause and there's someone who's kind of coming along for the ride, how does that make you feel? The greatest initiator of unity is when we all do our part using the gifts we've been given. It doesn't matter who has what gifts. We need to put that idea to rest. It doesn't matter what gifts you have. You've been entrusted with the gifts by the Spirit for a reason. He apportioned it to each one of us as he wills. We have a role to play. And it's not there so we can earn our salvation. It's not there so that we can boast about how spiritual we are, so that we can you know, uh, puff ourselves up with pride. It's there so that we can build up the body, which we're going to talk about in just a little bit. And it's what we were created to do. It's what God designed us to do. Now, um, I don't know if you like friends. I, I, I've spent a lot of time a lot of my life watching Friends. Um, I actually watched it while it was on TV, which I know not a lot of uh, younger folk in here have been able to do. So, you know, I'm a real fan. <laughs> Someone just texted in, from my perspective, all gifts are of equal value, but teaching has the greatest accountability before God. That's a good point. Um, that the Bible talks about how those who teach are going to be held to a higher standard, higher level of, of accountability. But all the gifts have equal value. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. If, and if we're not playing our part, not playing our role in the body, uh, then, then the rest of the body suffers, which is what Paul gets into in the rest of First uh, Corinthians chapter 12. And I'd encourage you to read that. But here's a little, a little clip from friends I'd like you to watch. All right, no peeking. No peeking. No peeking, no peeking. All right, all right. But you better be wearing clothes when I open my eyes. <laughs> all right, open your eyes. Sweet mother of all that is good and pure. Huh? Days of our lives picked up my option. Congratulations! I know. <laughs> uh -huh. Now we can finally watch Green Acres the way it was meant to be seen. Uh -huh. So, uh... Which one is mine? Whichever one you want, man. Whichever one you want. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yeah, that's the stuff. <laughs> uh, do we dare? We dare. Oh. oh. Is extra cheese on both. But listen, don't ring the buzzer for 19. Ring 20. Geller Green, they'll let you in, okay? If you buzz our door, there's no tip for you. Okay, thanks. Pizza's on the way. I told you we wouldn't have to get up. What if we have to pee? I'll cancel the sodas. Quite simply. Wow, look at that. The car is on fire, yet somehow its expensive paint job is protected by the miracle. <laughs> you gotta cheat on your face, man. Hey. Hey, uh, what are you doing here? Aren't you supposed to be out with Rachel? 
That was 14 hours ago. Whoa, we gotta set the clock on this thing. All right, we have got to get you lazy boys out of these chairs. Hey, whoa, hey, whoa. Oh, oh, oh. You know, you should go outside and be with the three-dimensional people. No, inside, good. Outside, bad. You guys are so pathetic. Oh, oh, Xanadu! Oh! She's one of us now. Stop sending food to our apartment. <laughs> Is that the fire alarm? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's not warm yet. We still have time. That is the dream, isn't it? <sighs> Just to sit in the chair all day and do nothing. Maybe, maybe that's not your dream. I don't know. But I think this, I think this, is, uh, this is the greatest potential for disunity that we have. This is the greatest potential that this is the greatest threat probably facing 6-8 church in our body um, for, for destroying the unity that we currently enjoy and we feel. And I think that that is when we're not all playing our part. I think we've all been given a part to play. And, and uh, if you study 1 Corinthians chapter 12 a little more in depth, you'll see that everyone has been given a gift. Everyone who has put their faith in Jesus Christ and received the grace that, that we are washed in the, in the blood of the Lamb and, and we've started to follow Jesus Christ, we at that point we receive a spiritual gift. We, we're given a gift. Sometimes they're, they're lines of strengths that we're already using. Sometimes uh, they're totally different and they come out of nowhere and we don't understand where they come from except that God gives us that gift. But we have to play our part. We have to play the role that we've been given to play. When we think it's the responsibility of someone else to do everything and to serve us, we're, we're threatening the unity of the body. Or when we get upset at those who aren't carrying their own weight, we threaten the unity of the body. We have a responsibility to, to be working together in a unified way. And, and if we're going to do that, then, then it means everyone has to play their part and everyone has to play the part that they were created and given to play. That's where we form biblical unity. When everyone does their part, when everyone does their part, we, we start to function together as one body, as one, as one troop moving forward on mission. Everyone has a role to play. My question is, are you doing your part? Are you doing what you've been given to do? We've talked last week about how, how movements happen when everyone is on task and on mission. That it's not just the leader who's out there doing everything, but movements happen when everyone is on task and on mission. Are you on task? Are you on mission? And the church, it's not just the job of a few to take care of the many. And this is a, a misconception that I think was birthed out of church history, out of the way things changed after Constantine and became more institutionalized and, and the pastor, you know, became the person that had all the power and then the pastor became, or the priest or whichever, whichever one it was, became the one who did everything in the church and made all the decisions. And we just kind of kept that idea going uh, once after the, transfer, after the Reformation and transformation that uh, Martin Luther brought. But it's not the job of a few to take care of the many. That's not how God designed the church. A couple of other myths I want to put to rest. It's not the pastor's job to do everything in the church. Now you're probably thinking, oh, he's just lazy. He wants to sit in this lazy boy all the time. And part of that, um, I do fight that on a regular basis, so I will confess that I am lazy. 
Uh, but I also, uh, I think I work fairly hard around here, and I can tell you that there is so much to be done that even if I spent all of my waking hours here at church away from my family doing everything I possibly could, there is no way I could do everything that needs to be done. It's not the pastor's job to do everything in the church. It's a misconception. Uh, there's a misconception that the reason myself and Kenan are paid here is to do all the work, to reach all the people, build the church on our shoulders with our strengths. Um, if the fate of this church is on my shoulders, we're sunk. <laughs> Should have got a bigger amen out of that. I mean, <laughs> let's try it again. If the fate of this church is on my shoulders, we're sunk. There we go. See, you all just agreed. <laughs> Sign up in the lobby after church. If our growth is dependent on what I can accomplish on my own, we don't have a shot. We've talked about these, these stats all, all, through, all through my time being here, but I can only influence and bring a certain percentage, a small percentage of people here, but if we're all playing our part, doing our role, then we have a good chance. See, our job as pastors, my job as a, as a pastor of 6A Church is to lead. My job is to lead the charge, but not to be the only one on the charge. See, we, we spend time praying and, and asking God where he wants us to go, what does he want us to do, how does he want us to, to progress in this mission that he's given to us, and so, so then we try to lead this body in that direction to go after that, to chase that vision. Our job is to, to build us up, to disciple us, to, to teach us all that we need to know so that we can obey Christ, so that we can follow Christ. Our, our job is to, is to prepare us for all the things that we need to be doing. It's not our job to do everything. It's not us out on the, on the battle lines fighting. Yes, we're out there fighting alongside, but it can't be just us. It's also not only a select few in the church who get to serve or who have the responsibility of serving. It's not only a select few who have been gifted to serve. There aren't just a couple of us who have been given spiritual gifts. If our faith is in Jesus Christ, then we have a gift and we have a responsibility to use it. We all have a part to play. We've all been given strengths and spiritual gifts for the purpose of building up the church. And like we've said before, we're a battleship, not a cruise ship. Everyone here, everyone who God assembles, everyone who God brings to 6A Church has a part to play, and we need everyone to play their part. And when we aren't playing our part, then someone else has to pick up the slack. Someone else has to do work that they maybe weren't designed or created to do. We're a battleship, not a cruise ship. It's also not the job of a few people to pay for the expenses of the church so the rest can enjoy the benefits. Really? I'm going to talk about money. We don't talk about money all that often, and, I, and a lot of that is by design, and maybe I've done, done damage by not talking about it enough. Because I don't want anyone to think that we're after your money, that that's our, that that's our goal is to get more money so that, we can, so that we can get rich, so that we can build a huge building, so that we can drive nice cars. I don't drive a nice car. But there's some, some misconceptions that I think feed into to this idea. For one, you need to understand we're a church. We're not a business or a government. Okay, we don't have a product to sell. We can't you know, strategize and market a product so that we can bring in more funds. And we're not a government, so we can't raise taxes. 
to get more money. We are completely reliant upon tithes and offerings on, on what is given. We're completely reliant on the faithfulness of this body. And at this point in time, at this moment, we're, we're only about 60% funded. We have money from the sale of the property that's making up the difference. And I don't think it's good stewardship for us to, to just run through, uh, blow through that money and not be working along the way to come up with a plan to be fully funded as a church. So uh, you, you'll see this in your bulletin. This, you know, we're not going to do some kind of capital campaign. We're not going to do a big push that, that uh, you know, has a thermometer up here unless you really want a thermometer. You know, not going to be doing that. But here's kind of the, the, the facts, the, the brass tacks. We need 50 families to commit to giving $270 a month. Now, like I said, we're already 60% funded, so, so there's already a certain percentage of that that's covered. But to, to meet our budget for the year, to meet our budget per, per month, we need 50 families giving $270 per month. Maybe that's a little high for you, and, and you can commit to half. Maybe you can team up with someone and say, I can't make up the full 270, but will you, maybe we can team up and we can commit to one of those. But I'm asking, especially uh, if you're a committed regular member of this church and, and you've never given anything, maybe this is the time to step up and try giving. We talk about tithing and how, how we are told to tithe. Tithe means tenth, so, and that's a, an idea where we give the first ten percent, the first tenth of our income to God, to the local church, to the local storehouse is the Old Testament language, and how we're supposed to be uh, bringing that in before we, before we disperse the rest of our income. And a lot of you are already doing that, and thank you. Praise God for you. I think thank you for all of your faithfulness in doing that. Keep it up. We need it. But if you're not, I would encourage you to try it. In fact, the Bible says that God says, test me in this. Test me and see if I won't open you know, the blessings of heaven, open the floodgates of heaven and pour blessing on your life. You know, try it. Maybe you've never tried it. But if you're not ready to tithe, you know, maybe you can commit to an amount. And, and you can say, I'll commit to X dollars, or I'll commit to one of those $270 per month. I'll commit to it for this year. See, we love what we do here. You know, I love our church. And I know a lot of you love our church, and we want to stay open, right? We want to keep doing this good that God has given us to do. And that is our desire. I hope you know that. I hope you know that our desire is so that we can do more mission. Our desire is so that we can do more for the kingdom of God, so that we can have the biggest impact we possibly can because we are all playing our part, whether that's in using our spiritual gifts or tithing or all the other ways that we serve and give. Everyone has a role to play. Everyone needs to play their part. Last scripture, and we're done with this first section here. 2 Thessalonians 3 6 through 15. Remember, this is Paul speaking, not me. So if you take offense, you can get mad at Paul. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we don't have that right, but to give you and ourselves an example to imitate. 
For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and earn their own living. As for you, brothers, don't grow weary in doing good. If anyone doesn't obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person. Have nothing to do with them, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Uh, You don't need to worry. We're not going to disown you um, if you're being idle. But I just hope, you know, they lived in a radical way because they had a radical mission. So a lot of times they, they shared everything. They held everything in, co- in common, and they would share and pool their resources so that they could accomplish the most that they possibly could. And so when there were some that would kind of squeak in and take advantage of that, Paul's drawing attention, hey, don't let someone come in and just kind of mooch off of the group because they don't want to work. You know, everyone has to play their part. Everyone has to do what they've been called and gifted and told to do. Everyone has a role to play. Everyone plays their part. 